0: This is a WKYT podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Victor and Andrea.
2: What? Please don't. Too many people (laughs) already do that to me.
1: Uh, Oh, sorry. I thought you enjoyed the uh, proper English pronunciation.
2: You know, Cameron Mills calls me Andrea. Really? We've talked so many times, and he still calls me Andrea.
1: (laughs) I was just doing it as a joke. And it's almost
2: endearing. There was also a girl that I did pageants with. She beat me. Of course, most people did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh her name was Jenna Day, and she became Miss Kentucky, and mm. uh we started out in teen together. So she literally heard me say my name, I'd say, hundreds of times over the years, and she never stopped calling Still me Andrea. Andrea.
1: Well, just imagine growing up in eastern Kentucky with the last name Puente. Oh. So, yeah.
2: Even around here, you have some... uh interesting interpretations of your name that I've heard
1: yeah. well <laughs> yes even, even in the building uh, but I, I would get a lot I still get a lot of oh it's Victor Fuentes
2: F- Fuentes yeah, I mean, as well, in where, Daisy
1: yes exactly and I, I guess that's their only point of reference and I go well, apparently you've never heard of Tito Puente the Mambo King
2: <laughs> clearly <laughs> Which,
1: I guess, and Andrea, I think is that's
2: not. a safe bet
1: <laughs> yes what have you been up to Andrea
2: oh not much just All living right. life trying
1: okay <laughs> cool
2: I think that's uh, enough said. <laughs> you sound excited about
1: that. <laughs> uh, so let's get into this week's podcast. It is part two of what was a great conversation that we had with Mr. Sam Dick.
2: He's so wonderful. Yeah. And like I said, I learned so much about him and, you know, the adversity had, he had to overcome. Because I think it's easy from the outside to look at Sam and be like, oh, his dad was a CBS correspondent. Like, it was a clear path to where he is today. And it wasn't.
1: And Well, and that's what he's talked about is that he had help kind of getting in, knowing right. people. But once he was in there, I mean, it was tough. And, you know, and he, he stuck to it and, and faced some pretty serious adversity when you hear about him just getting fired. Right. That's nuts.
2: Right. Well, it's kind of like celebrities. I feel like, you know, movie stars and stuff, they talk about or people ask him, do you want your kids to do this? And they're like, yeah. no, because I know how hard it is. So Sometimes when you, see you do. see people get in and
1: then they don't stick with it. But some of the good ones, like Colin Hanks. I'm, I'm a big fan of his stuff. I love and he, him. You know, he obviously had his dad. And Uh, he sounds like Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? uh,
2: I mean, it's difficult, and you're always going to do great work of his own. Exactly, and you're going to be compared to each other. But I think you just have to have thick skin. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, obviously Sam did, and he, he kind of buckled down and And just kept going.
1: Good job forging his own path. I know. So um, the the other interesting thing I want to talk about the uh, special they did end up putting it online, so you're able. to I already watched it. I actually
2: watched it online. um, Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) No. Two days ago, Monday. Well, so there
1: you go. So if you're listening to this now, if you missed the special uh, when it came out, you, you know, just search for it on WKYT. You'll be able to find it. And um, so I think it's kind of great that we we put it out there, so people will be able to just watch it um, as long as they want to. Because... I feel
2: like I'm a big fan of Reed Travis now.
1: Oh, he's great. I've interviewed him before. Yeah, he's he's just such.
2: I mean, I always liked him, but I never really got. You know, you don't yeah. know these guys really on a personal level. But he's interviewed a lot in it, and yeah. I was so impressed.
1: I interviewed him at a I want to say a Thanksgiving um, at the, um, one of the shelters that they were there, um, you know, kind of helping feed people and man, he was just such a good dude. And, and if I didn't know any better, I would think he uh, was a lot older than he was and had a lot of like media training because he was just such a good talker and just so personable.
2: Right. Well, he, he went to Stanford. That's true. That helps. So, I mean, I, he's obviously (laughs) an intelligent guy and he is older than most of the people on the team. You know, typically we talk to like 18 year olds. (laughs) Because they're all freshmen like, at UK. Uh,
1: like, uh, like, uh, so, uh, yeah, no, he's, he, he seems like a real good guy. And so, uh, happy, hopefully, uh... It makes
2: me, like, cheer for them even more, I think. Yeah,
1: and, and that helps you, you know, you get Should to Should we him.
2: spoil the, the food?
1: Well, yeah, the special's already out there, so, yeah, it's out there.
2: Wait, okay, here's how we're going to get you to stay to the end. We'll tell you which food Coach Cow will not allow near him around game time in our closing after oh, Sam's very in Very
1: exciting, game. and in... in while this is playing, Andrea's going to think of her favorite thing this week because I would already have it. Oh, she hasn't! <laughs> wow. Andrea came prepared.
2: I did for once.
1: So exciting! All right, see you guys on the other side. We are back with the one and only Sam Dick. Uh-huh. Andrea looks real excited, and Sam's kind of scared now.
2: I was like, I have to keep doing this? Have I not talked about myself enough?
0: Well, that's <laughs> I'm very honored to do it, first of all, and I had no idea we were going to do two parts. So I'm very honored to...
2: He's probably like, I need to get back to editing. Yeah, he's like,
0: oh, oh, guys. No, no it's good. a good thing. He's, he's, he's relaxed now. You can tell because I know because no, This is a lot so better than probably what I, I need to be doing anyway. This is more fun.
2: Well, they say when you're studying or when you're trying to work on something, it's good to take time off yes. to just... Put yeah. your brain on something completely mm-hmm. different. Yes. And it, you come back with a new perspective. So we yes. are doing that for you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I also know that there have been other times where we've talked to people, and afterwards I thought, oh, I wanted to talk to them about this and about this. And I, I knew there would be so much with Sam trying to get it all in one, you know, unless they wanted somebody wanted a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. That seemed kind of excessive. Okay, <laughs> so there was
2: a story this morning about two little girls – who um, actually survived in the woods in California yeah. for 48 hours, and they were in the 4-H club. I know you, one of turn. the first things that I oh, I, yes. I loved about you, I just thought it was so interesting, was that you were an Eagle Scout. Yeah. Not just a Boy Scout, you were an Eagle Scout. Yeah. What yeah. is that process like?
0: It, uh, well, I, I have to give my parents credit because I lived in Kentucky as a Cub Scout. Then we moved to Virginia and Atlanta, and I was a Boy Scout. And when I got to be about 15... I was a late bloomer. I finally decided girls and cars and sports, <laughs> but my parents said, listen, you're a life scout. I don't remember the exact words, but they were the ones that gave me that gentle shove to say, you really ought to get Eagle Scout. A lot of kids go to star life and then kind of stop. And there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, I needed that gentle shove. My, my dad was an Eagle Scout. And uh, again, as we talked about in the other podcast, he grew up without a dad and he grew up in sort of uh, poor circumstances. And I was always impressed that he was an Eagle Scout. And I've got his sash to this day and I've got his Boy Scout book, which is kind of cool. So uh, they pushed me to go ahead and get the 21 merit badges and do my Eagle project. And you have to do it by the time you're 18 or it's gone forever. And so, Andrea and Victor, the really neat thing is I'm really involved with scouts now here locally. I help them out whenever I can. And I'm able to say to them, I am an Eagle Scout. You don't say I was, it's just something that you you always carry with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You know. laughs> but I, I think most of the public um, treats Eagle Scout as something pretty special, even if they're not familiar totally with scouting. So I feel very lucky and, and humbled that I had a community that supported me because it's not just you. You, know, you have to have help. I, and I will say this. The, uh, the really neat thing that happened actually was later is when I was 18, I was getting ready to go to the University of Georgia, and instead of going on the class trip – I had the crazy idea that I would travel across the country by myself with a backpack and I would hike 210 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail. And I had picked up a National Geographic at home and there it was. And I'd hiked all up and down the Appalachian Trail because I lived in Kentucky and Georgia and Virginia, but I'd never been out west hiking. And I saw that there was this trail that went from Mexico to Canada. Now, I wasn't going to hike the whole thing, but I hatched this idea And I convinced my parents that I could handle it because I'd been a Boy Scout. I was an an Eagle Scout. And so they let me go by myself because nobody would go with me because it's too crazy. I took a plane from Atlanta to Seattle and then a bus from Seattle to Snoqualmie Pass in the middle of Washington State at Pancake House and ate my last meal. And I got on the trail, and for two weeks I hiked somewhere between 20, 21 miles, I think I had to average a day, with a 60-pound pack. I mean, it was huge. And I weighed like 135 pounds. You know, back then, Victor, we, <laughs> oh, I know, Andrea's always looked great. But the guys, you know, we, we can Thank put God, on. Thank God
2: I might have had you by a pound or two. Uh,
0: <laughs> 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 so um, it's one of the neatest things I've ever done. Uh, there were days I didn't single, see a single person. Uh, but I was literally hiking along Mount Rainier at the bottom. And one day, it was ice and snow covered for as far as I could see. It was in August, and I was in my shorts, so it was comfortable, but it was snow. It's just the way it is in the Cascade Mountains. And I kept going in circles and circles and circles. I could not find the trail. And back then, sorry, kids, there was no internet, no cell phone, no GPS. Oh. You had, a, you had you a, comp- a compass. And a map. Yeah. Yeah. That's I should what have been you, in the That's what you had. And so I finally, I couldn't panic. I'm by myself. No one's around. No one. And so I thought, well, I'll just... Pitch my tent here on the side of this snowy hill, mountain, whatever, and sleep and get up the next morning and try again. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I got up, and almost immediately the sun had melted the ice off of a sign that I had missed. Ah. And I got back on the trail. But So I ate freeze-dried, dehydrated food every day. With You put boiling water in a bag and stir it up and eat it. That's He's, what I was
2: going to say. I was like, you can't pack that much food. No. Like, were you living off the land? So the I
0: live living. your
1: pack's a lot lighter.
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I so I had a week of supplies, and then my mom mailed me the second week. I went through a little tiny, 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 tiny uh, ski lift with a little post office, and there was a box waiting for me, and that was for my mom. And one more quick story from that trip. Um, I met somebody coming the other way, and we traded food because I was so tired of this beef stroganoff and spaghetti and all this different stuff and noodles that I was eating. And so he gave me this big bag of prunes. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> so you're out in the now, woods eating prunes. Normally, yeah. normally, I would not eat prunes. But on that day, a weekend, feeling like a mountain man, I just started eating prunes. And it's sweet. And I always tell the scouts when I tell that story, I, I said, I, said uh, I was gas-powered for much of that <laughs> I day. I bet you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think one of the things you realize, especially if you know what it takes to become an Eagle Scout, is just the dedication and then Mm -hmm. somebody to have that kind of follow-through. When I was about 14 or 15, I went to a friend's ceremony who was becoming an Eagle Scout. I didn't know anything about it until that day, and that's part of it is them going through their projects and just everything, and you kind of gain respect for somebody realizing what all they were willing to do. I think you
2: understand what a person is capable of. Like, I probably wouldn't even think, like, oh, I couldn't do that. You can. You can. You just have to learn those skills.
0: And it was lonely, but I'd read a book by this guy that said that to experience the mountains, you have to go by yourself. <laughs> and you got it. To, you're like,
1: yes, I'm going to
2: Did do you it. reach Nirvana?
0: Uh, I don't know if I did or not. But, <laughs> but you're, you're, still into, you're still into all that, you
1: know, a little stuff bit. right now. I mean, well, you, you, still, you, you still do triathlons. You do well, ride, I, yeah, kind
0: of I, I haven't done a triathlon in a year or two, but I did that for a while. But the funny thing is, I took my son when he was eight a long time ago to a Cub Scout camp out at the horse park. And about four o'clock in the morning, I thought. I'm out of here. I'm not sleeping in this tent. I'm, I'm not sleeping I'm on this air mattress. Son, your leader's here. You're staying. I'm going. And so I walk in about 4 o'clock in the morning. Noelle's still asleep. My um, wife, I'm like, you know, I'm done. You know, d- I've done it. Uh, you know, I lived yeah. it,
1: and I'm kind I of like that. You nothing else
2: to prove. I'm <laughs> camping now.
1: You know, we camped so much in Powell County growing up that after a while I've gotten older. I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah. i good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so. awesome. So one of the things I wanted to get into – oh, did you want to – No, go ahead. Okay. I, I just wanted to get into some of the other bigger projects you've been able to do now um, in your role. And one of the things I really wanted to ask about was the trips. hmm Those fantastic – or fantastic four. I almost got into Those fantastic. <laughs> of course fantastic. you did. <laughs> uh, th- those final – not even just final four trips, but there's always – there's the SEC tournament every year. Mm-hmm. And then just some of the final four trips. I mean – what is it like preparing for those? Because I don't, th- I don't think people realize how much work they are. Yeah. I mean, you're up, you're, you're at work. And yeah. until you go to
0: bed, you're working. Yeah. Um, it's probably the, one of the hardest things I do or have done in this business where I am, when I'm done, I'm exhausted. I mean, I can tell my body is really depleted, and I can just tell the energy's not there after a week on the road doing that. So I have been to every Final Four with Kentucky since about 1993. And I have covered the last three championships with three different coaches. So I was there in 96 in New Jersey in the Meadowlands when Rick Bettino won with his team. I was there in San Antonio when Tubby Smith won the championship. And then the latest one with Cal in New Orleans in 2012. And you bring up a great point, uh, Victor and, and Andrea, is that we start work generally on those trips sometimes between 8 and 9 in the morning. And we're usually not done till midnight or even 1 o'clock in the morning because, as you know, we have to feed the beast. Mm -hmm. And so uh, after we do the 11 o'clock, we're feeding stuff for Andrea and Bill on the morning show. And when we wake up in the morning, we're thinking about either the 10 o'clock or the noon. And as you know, there's a deadline, and you got to meet it. And so they're really – people think, well, they just get a ticket and go to the game. They're having a good time oh out my there. Look gosh. at all the fun. Yeah,
1: it looks great. And it, it is fun. I mean, like there is a There's fun aspect. great
0: memories, and, and I got a little story with each one. I don't know if we have time, but yeah, when, we, when, all the time the when we went to New Jersey in 96, it was so cold. We are right on uh, New Jersey on the water with the Statue of Liberty behind us and the Twin Towers were still there. Uh, if you we see pictures from back then, you see that it really hits home. Uh, but it was so cold, I had to go get long, long Johns for everybody. I remember that. Barbara was freezing. <laughs> uh, She's talked about that before. <laughs> <she probably has. laughs> but so here we are. It's a semifinal game on Saturday, and Kentucky's in the semifinal. And I got a pass. Now, I've never been to a championship game before at this point. And so I had a media pass to be on Press Row. And I didn't really understand totally the rules about being on Press Row. So I'm on Pesh Press Row, and I'm a longtime Kentucky fan. You're just cheering. And well, I didn't cheer, but I started to groan and grunt. Uh,
2: Ooh, oh, You're yeah. feeling it, man. <laughs> and we
0: didn't even get to halftime, and this little newspaper guy from Iowa goes, "You know, you can't do that here." And he was serious. Oh. And I was like, "You're right." Okay. And I had to hold it in. Now. No more. No you more know done.
2: what? That's something I like about you. <laughs> It always, you know, you've been doing this. Andrea for, would
0: have snapped back at it.
2: So she said, <laughs> no. she like, You don't me. tell
1: me what to do. Instead, Sam goes, All right, let me consider the no. situation. No.
2: But Sam, you're always so enthusiastic about everything you do. You know, some people, I think, they get so burnt out. Mm. I don't sense that with you at all. I feel like you still enjoy it. I mean, literally, you just put together an hour long special. Like, mm. if, if you didn't want to do that, no one's going to make you do that.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to, and, and the the special, I mean, I really want to make it great for the viewers, mm-hmm. and, and also I want to make it great for the station, because it, it hopefully will open doors to other things, but also just the fact that this is our station, this is our people putting together something really special, and it needs to be top-notch. That's UK basketball, which, as you all know, uh, is, is revered uh, in Kentucky by most people. So- um, yeah that that gives me energy, and then to go on the final four trips and and I do get to, to watch the games, most of them though by when we get within five or six minutes of the end i 'm racing out to the live shot yeah. with uh, in this case the last one with amber and uh, getting ready to go on, so we almost miss it but we 're listening on our phones uh, in two thousand and twelve with Cal before the game in New Orleans, we were on a huge you all have seen them these huge metal and steel um, uh, what do you call them? Scaffoldings. Oh, yes. And there's TV crews all lined up all the way down, mm. and there's a storm, ooh, that is gathering around us, and we keep going and going, going live, and going live. This standing is Standing on evening.
2: metal, no yep. big deal. We're
0: standing on metal, <laughs> and we're pushing it, and we're pushing it, and we're on live. This is before the game, and all of a sudden, this police officer, this woman comes running into the parking lot and goes, "It's here! Get out of here! Get down!" And we look and we see that lightning.
2: Oh, gosh,
0: yeah. Well, we were fortunate. Uh, Our dear late colleague and friend, Tom Bennett, had rented an RV. And so, unlike some other stations here locally, we had a place to go. So we rapidly, for the uh, sake of our lives, but we're also thinking, we want to be back live on the air. So we're getting all of our tripods and equipment, the lights and the extension cords, and we set up inside this RV. And we did the rest of the night in an RV. At 1 o'clock in the morning after the game, I went live to Gabriel Rojas, who now I think is in Dallas. I know
1: him. I will remember this shot forever.
0: And I pitched to Gabriel, and he's got like six or seven, mostly college-age students.
2: Uh
0: Uh-huh. Andrea, it's live. Uh It's 1 o'clock in the morning. Kentucky's won the championship. That is a terrible combination. What condition do you you think these students are in?
2: Inebriated? Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, the, the weird thing is I had what we call IFB. I could hear Gabriel, but Amber and Rob were not hooked up to that. So they couldn't hear what Gabriel was saying, much less his guests. Well, I could hear it, And I guess the guy either grabbed the mic or took the mic or whatever and basically said, this is blank and crazy. Oh, He used the big bad word. Mm-hmm. Drop the bomb. Fudge. <laughs> <laughs> Only it wasn't fudge. <laughs> Christmas story. And that went out live on the air. Gabriel quickly threw it back oh, to me, gosh. and I have kind of a stunned look on my face for a second, and I go, I think from what I remember, I said, I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry that that just got out over the air. Of course, Amber and Rob are like, what the heck is they going don't know on? yeah. Later, some late-night talk show host mm-hmm. took that, of course, and played it and said, I don't understand why those Kentucky people were in that, that motor home or something like that. You know, he had no idea why we were in there. Yeah. Live TV, <laughs> don't you love it?
1: Oh, oh, so, so then you were also um, for Tubby's Championship. Mm-hmm. What yeah. was that one like?
0: Um, well, that was neat just from a personal standpoint because we were doing live shots in San Antonio, which is a great city, or it was then at least. And um, we this was before the game, and somebody walked up, saw me doing a live shot and said, would you like to go to the game? And I didn't have a ticket. I was like, are you kidding me? He said, yeah, I've got an extra ticket. It was a local business owner here in Lexington in San Antonio. And so I got to sit with he and his family for half the game or a little bit longer like a regular fan, yeah. which is pretty cool. Because during the game, there's really not much I can do. The sports people are obviously much more intense in terms of focus as to the game itself. But I'm – You're basically I'm a,
1: watching. you yeah, Well, the other thing people don't realize is a lot of the work you do is leading up to the game, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of work afterwards, but during the game, you are just kind of waiting for it to play out yeah, and
0: I'm focused as, you know I want to know what's going on so I can relate it to our viewers, but not in such a way that like the sports people are doing you know um, so and that was just a nice moment where I got you know I got treated to a ticket, which doesn't happen very often, but I take advantage of it when it does
1: and so then it's obviously different when you're going to new cities, but um, for the SEC tournament, I mean that kind of rotated like you.
0: I've never done that
1: You you haven't been Oh No I no, missed that No okay.
0: They've left I that For that. everybody else I guess I don't know I've always thought That one day If I'm ever not doing this I'd like to go do that As a fan As a fan But no. I, I That have, one
1: looks fun Because it seems a little Less stressful it Seems a little yeah. lower key You're on a smaller stage But it's still Yeah K Fans traveling But I've
0: never done that So um, Yeah So I guess I have to wait For the next final four I don't know
1: <laughs> At least you get to go In the big ones
0: So anyway, but I will say this this is going to really date me, if you don't mind, but when I lived in Atlanta, I was like 14, 15 years old, and I was a big U.K. basketball fan because of my dad, because he grew up in Bourbon County. He's a U.K. grad, and went to school at U.K. and got his bachelor's and his master's in English, and and so I always had that connection. I was born in Lexington, and this is going to sound really old school, but back then, most of the games were not on TV, and there were only three networks, and PBS, that was it, you know, in terms of TV. You had four channels. So in Atlanta, what I would go out at night is I'd go to the car in the driveway, and I'd tune in WHAS Radio AM, and I'd listen to Kay Wood Ledford call the game on the radio. That makes me sound ancient, but that's how much I loved. That makes me feel nostalgic, yeah. honestly. I, mean like that, I think that's cool. And he's a, he was a legend. I mean, yeah. he yeah. was a master, you know, broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And so you hung on every word, and you just sort of, you sat there and you visualized the shot he was talking about or about the turnover or whatever because you couldn't see it. But that kind of really fueled my love for it, and then when I went to Georgia, I actually was in a fraternity, and I don't know why they didn't kick me out, because I was cheering for Kentucky (laughs) when Kentucky came to town.
2: You're a brave man. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and in 1978, my senior year, Joe B. Hall won his his championship, and so I felt like I was pretty cool stuff.
2: That is cool. All right, so, you know, Kaywood, born to do what he did. Yeah. Here's something I find really interesting. I think you were in a conversation with Jim Caldwell, and he Uh told me, "Up, nice."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Conversations can Uh. go south quickly, but this one
2: doesn't. But he said something interesting that you told him, and that's that you're an introvert. I think people would be really surprised that you're kind of you're shy, but you're a public figure. I mean, everybody knows you in town. I know,
0: or I think they do, and usually they're always nice, which is a, a great blessing. I mean, it really is. People are so nice. Um, I mean, almost always have nice things to say about our station, about you all, about me and everybody I work with. Um, Yeah, I've I've had to learn the public speaking part of this job. I've had to learn, you know, I'm not a great speech maker. I've learned that, but I'm more of I want to be a storyteller. And also it comes down to this, Victor and Andrea, I feel like when I'm talking to a group, what is in my heart? What do I feel passionate about? And then I'm going to speak honestly and more, more easily. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a more interesting talk if it's something that I've experienced that I feel strongly about versus just writing some great, you know, worded prose mm-hmm. about something that maybe I, I'm not connected to. So I've had to learn that part of the business. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's been a learning experience. It's been a journey, yeah. a good journey.
1: And it's also been an experience of, I guess, just watching so many people – come and go some of them obviously stay for longer yeah. and then some of them you know move on to I the think I'm on
0: co-anchor number five or six <laughs> uh,
2: <but laughs> honestly that's better than most places you know we have in some 32 years here. Yeah. It, it really is yeah.
0: it really is I think news director number one two three four mm-hmm. and general manager number one two three four so that's I always tell people I get that's an example of how stable the station really is yeah. do
2: you count me as a co-anchor um I have co-anchored with you before. I think for a greater (laughs) greater length of duty. Um. (laughs) But I remember the day I came in for my, I guess, audition. I don't even know if that's what it was since I called them and just said, hey, can I just come, like, show you what I can she do. Her way into <laughs> no the one station, invited me yeah. for an interview. I'd kind of asked for it, but I got to sit next to you. Oh. And it was so intimidating.
0: Oh gosh. But you were <laughs> so
2: nice. Like oh. I, that quickly left me because you made me feel so comfortable, and that's a testament because I guess you've you've dealt with that before. You've welcomed um, a lot of new people and yeah. you do a great I'm really job a
0: 50% guy. I want my partner no matter what their experience to share. And, and, and Not everybody's like that. Yeah, I really want it to be that way in in every every way and and, and I know, Victor, from your standpoint, you've fought to get where you are. Um, you know, I don't know the whole story, but I've heard pieces, and I've been very impressed with – and you fought from Bowling Green. I mean, you have to in this business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a business where a lot of people would like to have our jobs. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's the thing. If you, if you want to – yeah, if you want to advance, yeah. you have to make it got to be determined
0: and focused and, and also be not cocky, but, but you have to have some confidence about yourself. You know, that's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs>
1: it's, been, it's been interesting watching just all the, uh, on top of all the different shows being added. I mean, that's such a change, just uh, so many now one-man bands. Mm. Um, so many people, you know, just doing all their own. Well, what's that been like for you? watching I started all with typewriters
0: and film. I mean, well, uh, can you imagine? Well, you did, and
1: think about the live trucks that we used to have. Oh my I, gosh! When I tell people I used to run my own live shots, I would set up the truck, the mass, <laughs>
0: you know, watch it sway in the wind. And, mm-hmm. and now I just I have a little backpack that I press a button. And well, into. the camera equipment back in the '70s in Florida was so heavy that yeah. you had a second person carrying the recorder and the battery. The God, my gosh, the battery! I and mean, that's was the thing you look at this little beep thing. thing we're recording into right now. Oh my, my just, gosh! And then you usually sometimes you'd have an engineer to set up a live shot um so it's really changed and and no mm-hmm. social media back then yeah. i We'd mean print out directions they'd not me a big stack of directions It'd be like here you go here's where yeah. you go no gps back yeah. in the day and, and with film once you cut it you glue it back together but i mean it's it's cut i mean you i always feared that i was like gosh once i cut it it's like okay <laughs> what do i do now i mean if there's a mistake it's everything's advanced so much but i don't know if we how much time we have left but uh, you know probably the, one of the biggest stories i've ever covered is calm air and yeah. um mm-hmm. that um that was a, a huge moment for the station, and in, in fact that the dignity and uh, the professionalism that this station covered, uh, what I consider probably the, you know, the biggest disaster, I think, easily in Kentucky that I've ever covered, and I'm really proud, despite uh, the, the, the subject matter was horrible.
1: You all were on within, I mean, how quickly were you all on air? It was a
0: Sunday morning, and I got a phone call. It's never good when the phone rings at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, and for some reason I was up. Our news director had only been here like two weeks, Robert Thomas, so imagine that. And I'll never forget, he called, and I pick up the phone. I have no idea who's calling at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was actually up for some reason. And all he said very calmly was, we think there's been a plane crash. We need you to come in. That's all he said. Mm-hmm. At that time, we didn't know if it had even crashed. We didn't know if it was a big plane, small plane, what had happened. Nothing. Yeah. I come running in here, I'm the only anchor here. So this is before morning news on weekends, and it's like 7 a.m., and I'd only been standing in the station newsroom for five minutes, and there's only a couple people there. And Robert goes, you need to get on the air. Hmm. I'm like, okay, but all I know is there might have been a plane crash. So I'd go live on the air by myself with that one little something. And from that, people started coming in, and of course it was a team effort, but um,
1: that was a rough day. I was a photographer at the time.
0: Where and, did you go first?
1: Um, Keeneland. Mm-hmm. Because we, we first – actually, I take that back. We went to the airport, and so – because I was on call that weekend, but I worked weekends anyway, and I remember I just got called in early. And so we, we pulled up. We were outside the airport, and then they ended up saying, no, you can't see anything from the airport anyway. So they mm-hmm. moved us over to Keeneland. And I remember standing there whenever they, they had the briefing, and they came out, and they finally said, you know, it was a plane. There were 49 people on board. We have one survivor. Yeah, and they didn't say 48 people are dead. They just said 40 49 people on board. We have one survivor, and we all did the math real quick. I mean, just looked Gosh. at each other and realized, oh, Man. oh, this is this is bad. And that was yeah, that was a hard day on everyone, just because there were so many connections. You, you started yes. to realize as the day went on. Yeah, people just yeah.
2: I I remember we did a I guess it was maybe the 10 year anniversary not mm-hmm. too long ago, and the photographer I was working with, you know it still brought tears to his eyes to go back and to see the monument at the Arboretum, the memorial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably were one of the people. You knew someone on there. Or if you didn't, you knew someone that did.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. and, and that's exactly what Barbara was my first co-anchor for the first four or five hours. And she said that to me during a break. She said, Sam, if we don't know somebody on the plane, because at that time we didn't really have any many names, yeah. you're going to know somebody who knew somebody. And I held it together really well until about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we've been on since 7, my wife and daughter walked in the studio to check on me. Oh, gosh. And I almost lost it Yeah, because I saw them and I thought how easy it would have been for them to be on the plane. Oh, yeah. You know? So, um, but on a little bit more higher note, I am very proud of the work we did that day. It was a very, very important moment in the history of the community Tragedy beyond belief, but still important as journalists. That's what we do. We mm-hmm. have to, and, and we really tried not to speculate mm-hmm. and we tried to be factual. And, um, and then you have to be careful because people listening are waiting to hear.
1: And, and that's one of the most difficult things about this job is not taking it home with you mm-hmm. because it is very easy to do that. It on, is. And easy. obviously, that was a huge tragedy, but we deal with little tragedies every day. Sure, we to do. Just, to just yeah. leave that.
0: And when there are brighter moments, that's when we jump on and have some fun and we smile and we take advantage. You have to, because otherwise we would just go crazy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you talked about, you know, there are things like you're able to do public speaking well when you're passionate about something. Well, I think it's well. They keep asking it me back. Well, I'll, say it, I'll say it for you, so, since you're a humble man. But uh, what are the things that you're passionate about? What are the things that you do like to talk about? I know your health is something yeah. that a lot of people yeah. can relate to. Yeah. I've uh, been, been through really prostate good. cancer,
0: um, and I decided after a couple of weeks after I was diagnosed, I'd be public about it. Mm-hmm. I'm already a public person, and it was a decision I made. I didn't have to do that. I just lost my dad to prostate cancer. And then within a, a month, I found out I had prostate cancer. So it was a really wow. Uh, And so um, I went public with it, and it's probably one of the better decisions I've ever made because ever since then I still have people, not to the extent, and this was uh, eight, nine years ago when I went through that, I still have people come up to me. And it's funny how they will do this. They'll they'll come up to you and they'll go, how you doing? Which is code for how how Mm -hmm. how you doing since prostate cancer. They don't say those words. But they honestly care enough to say that to you and say, how you doing? you doing okay? How's your health? Sometimes you'll hear that. And it'll be in a grocery store, a hotel lobby. And then sometimes you'll have a guy come up to you and say, I need to talk to you for a second. You know what you had? Yeah, I'm dealing with that. Aww. And so you talk to him. And I'd never say, well, I'm an expert. I always talk about my journey. But you have your experience. But I have my experience. And so uh, back for a few years there, I was talking to wives, girlfriends, a lot of times because the guys, as you guys know, Victor, I don't know if you're like this, we don't really like going uh, to the doctor. I mean, we don't like getting probed and checked mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And it's only because I did have my PSA level checked every six months in my 40s. You, should wait till your, you can wait till your you're 50 if you're a guy. But if you have any family history, like a father or grandfather or brother, you need to be checked. And it's a simple blood and urine test and uh and so I was being checked and it's one of those tests my last year of my dad's life that uh, my PSA number doubled and it wow. didn't mean I had cancer but it was a red flag and that's what helped save me and that's how they were able to find it. And prostate addressed. cancer is treatable and curable if you deal if. with it early enough. Hmm. So so yeah that in uh, the scouts uh, real big with the boy scouts I believe uh, now they've got girls joining. That's right. Boy scouting. And um so I'm very supportive. We give tours here at the station. Our little Cub Scout groups come in, and I talk, and I've been to Eagle Scout ceremonies. and So I help any way I can because I think uh, more than ever, I say this every year, but more than ever young people need that kind of good direction and uh, support. Uh, so I'm happy to be a part of that. So those, those would be two things, I guess.
1: Well, um, I think we are nearing up. The end oh, of this marathon, two. Sam! You gave us like so much to, of your time. That's the thing. We could just, I'm like, we could just, we could keep going forever, but I don't want to. Well, you said monopolize storytelling Samsung. is
2: what you love. You're yeah. good at it. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I really could sit and listen and no, talk to you very, all day. You guys are sweet. I thank
0: learned you. a
1: lot. I mean, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things I just didn't. Know about Sam, so well, now we should this. turn around to you at
0: some point. Well, and Andrea. Yeah, we'll Ye- get on that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see.
2: We'll get there eventually.
0: Yeah. Well, and by the way, I hope again to hope everybody. Uh, well, this may air after the special, but uh, hopefully the people, people get to see the special. Yeah, uh, yeah, beyond I mean, the that's bench. That's our hope
1: is that there's you know a way for that to yeah. come out for people to find it. I think hopefully you can live on wkyt.com. That's what Darnell did with one of his specials. I think
2: so. you may have another Emmy
1: coming your way. Uh, sure. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Sam, thank you for your time. We'll thank you. Thank it. you, Andrea and Victor. Thank you. So there we go. Good conversation. Interesting hike.
2: Oh, my gosh. Is that not the craziest thing in the world? The whole time I was thinking about that James Franco movie where the guy goes... Uh, 100,
1: 127 hours?
2: Yes. I didn't remember the number of hours. So I know it was a lot of hours. <laughs> it was like
1: 48 hours. Yeah, where he has to like,
2: chop his own arm off. 27 you days. Know. That Seven, could have gone so wrong. Yeah. Did you just say twenty-seven dresses?
1: I was seeing if you are going to catch that.
2: Oh, I caught it. I caught it. Anyway, could have gone so wrong, but apparently it was really good for Sam.
1: Yeah, good for him. Good for him. And, I would um, never <laughs> tell us about the food, Andrea.
2: Okay, so thank you for listening to the end of the podcast. Hopefully, you didn't just fast forward, which is the obvious thing you could have done. <laughs> That's what I would I do. Be like, I'm not listening.
1: These I know. On the
2: other end. <laughs> That's like reading the last page of a book. Do you ever do that?
1: I think um, it's they would, so tempting. I think they would have had. A th- thought that the payoff would have been worth it for them to fast forward to the end <laughs> and they're probably just like yeah I'll get there oh my but no I, I never go to the last
2: I don't either but some people temptation? do
1: I don't think it's tempting at all
2: sometimes it is depending that's like fast
1: forwarding the... to the end of a movie I agree I, I it's no... not a
2: good idea and you regret it instantly but it is tempting no it's
1: okay you and I have different ideas of temptation I couldn't even imagine doing that I'm sorry okay anyway what was the
2: food <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever to say and I had nothing naturally oh that's naturally. the story of
1: my life yeah <laughs> I'm always three minutes later after why the conversation's like, over. Oh, I could have said that. It would have been so witty. Oh. That's,
2: that that's why I'm better worst. on Twitter, you know? I'm so anxious. It gives me a few
1: minutes to compose my thoughts. Oh,
2: I really liked your tweet. So the whole Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman thing. Number one, William H. Macy, also famous. I know. And
1: he wasn't even named in it. Even no though play. if you look at the indictment, it says, uh, you know, um, Felicity Huffman and spouse. I'm like, that's William H. Macy. And, I'm I'm like, just put, and spouse. He deserves a name. Well, on top of that, it seems kind of sexist to just put like the two actresses out there and not... Now, normally, started it would go the there. other
2: way, to yeah, be exactly. fair. So, it, <laughs>
1: woo! <laughs> You're excited about it? Yeah. Go
2: Women! Go. Yes. But mm-hmm. maybe he wasn't involved in the whole s- scheme.
1: Barb's getting coffee. Hey, Barb, you want to be on the podcast? Hi,
2: Barb. No, she won't. Oh,
1: okay, that's all you'll hear of Barb on the podcast. Everybody the listening. Once again, shoot us down.
2: Send Barbara Bailey yeah, emails yeah, telling uh, her we want uh, tweet her, you on the podcast. I'm going to give you all some prophecy. <laughs> okay. We All still right. love you.
1: We love you, Barb. Love you
2: too. Good. What a sweetheart. Show us. Be on the podcast. <laughs> ah.
1: uh, so, what were we talking about? Oh, Felicity Huffman, and uh, yeah, so that's just, just nuts. And you, uh, oh, my tweet was that. Um,
2: yes, you were like, yeah, my mom helped me get into college too. She used to read to me when I was little.
1: She <laughs> <laughs> foundation. Was good. I was that's like, it. you know
2: what? That's true. Uh, they helped in a way that they could.
1: Yeah. And then, well, and then um, once as I got older, you know, I basically was on my own because it's like, hey, mom, I got a scholarship. She's like, oh, that's great. You're going to college? Oh, my <laughs> gosh.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. Reality.
1: Yeah. You uh, adjusted
2: well to real life. There we go.
1: Oh, so also, uh, I'm just going to say it was oatmeal with raisins since we keep getting distracted and you had yet to actually talk know, about the food. I
2: know. I know. Just raisins, I think. I don't oh, think was it it's just oatmeal. Oh. Yeah. And he said that at one point Brad walked into a room before he did and he saw raisins out and immediately took them and threw them in the trash because he knew his dad would freak out. That's. Isn't that awesome? Hilarious. <laughs> I know. He said he found them and threw them against a wall, and they were on, like, a crazy winning streak, and he knew they were going to lose, and they did.
1: They should add that to uh, Brad's stats on the, on the year. Like, one steal. just <laughs> One steal! <laughs> <laughs> Raising in, in the garbage can. Oh,
2: my gosh. That's awesome.
1: Uh, hey, Andrew, we have our first uh, sponsor of the show. What? Did you hear about this? No. Yes. Uh, Conversations with Victor and Andrea, brought to you by WKYT News at 430. With Victor Pointer. Oh, my gosh. Only half an hour, Victor, because that's all you can handle. There you Dang go. It. See? Look at that. First, I was hoping, first sponsor.
2: I was hoping for, like, uh, HelloFresh or something <laughs> oh, yeah. that I could get free <laughs> stuff from.
1: <laughs> one of those mattress companies finally got into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, just just that one that I decided to insert on my own.
2: Stamps.com. I'll take oh, anything. Yeah. I'm not I'm not MailChimp. Picky. MailChimp. <laughs> anything. We'll know we've made it um, when, we, when MailChimp comes we calling. Uh, <laughs> all right. Favorite things. Okay. Do you want to go first? Or do sure, you I'll go first. Go Mine's first?
1: pretty simple. Um, over the weekend, my wife and I went and saw uh, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. It was really good. It, you know, it wasn't the best of the Marvel movies, but it was a very good one. And I think at this point, even what people consider to be the lower tier Marvel movies like Iron Man 2 and Thor The Dark World are still fun to watch. I still enjoy them. But this one was, uh, I'd say near the top. It was, it was very good. Good. I enjoyed it a lot. Good. Yeah. Had and some twists. Uh, Brie Larson was great.
2: You're an aficionado in this category. Exactly. So you know what you're talking about. I know what am talking, talking about.
1: about. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was one of the main characters in the whole thing, and he was de-aged, so he looked like he did in the 90s.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How cool. What? They can do that? Well, I mean, Benjamin Button, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, they did that in um, Iron Man 3, maybe Winter Soldier. One of them, they had Tony Stark look just like he did in the 80s. That's so well, crazy
2: to me that Robert they Downey can Jr. do that. Yeah. That's awesome. I wish they'd do that for us. Yeah. Well All they, I ever get told is you look a, so much smaller in person. You're so much prettier in person.
1: I think they first really did it in X-Men 3 when they did it with uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, but That's awesome. It didn't look quite as good as it does now. Now we it's We just
2: look fatter and uglier flawless. on. To. Yeah, no, I'm
1: I'm definitely aging in reverse. Oh, that yeah, yesterday I was outside of Frankfurt and a lady I see her she she walking by and she looks at me. And she says loud enough that I can hear it to somebody <laughs> He looks bigger on TV.
2: <laughs> like, I don't know what. I mean, they say it to my face, so. <laughs> that's good.
1: All right, yeah, so. Uh, Whatever. My, but I don't know if she meant fatter or taller, because I'm 5'11", so I don't know how much taller mm, people think, she think meant I I think she meant fatter. Probably, yeah. No, I was like, oh. I guess <laughs> At she,
2: least that's what they mean for me, <laughs> typically. So. So, so that's
1: my thing. Uh, yes, now back to our digressions. Um, Captain Marvel.
2: All right, what was I doing when you came to get me? When you came to fetch me this morning.
1: I think you were watching The Bachelor.
2: Exactly. And it has something to do with this. So, The Fence Jump. Have you heard about The Fence Jump?
1: (laughs) I think I have seen maybe a meme of it.
2: Yes. That's my favorite thing this week is all of The Fence Jump memes and the fact that this is just everyone is talking about The Bachelor, even if you don't watch it and you look down on the people who do, like myself... It's everywhere. I heard it on NPR. They were talking about the fence jump. Terry Gross is talking about the fence jump. I was just like, what, what world are we living in? What caused
1: in? the fence jump? He just got tired and, and no. hopped the fence and took off his mic or something. That's what I.
2: I'm not done with the finale, but I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. Maybe
1: I saw it on CBS this morning. But
2: the girl that he wanted to pick in the end broke up with him. Oh, snap. Yeah. That's not how it's
1: supposed to go. He's supposed to have his choice of all the Phillies right up until the end.
2: Okay. Here's the moment.
1: No matter how emotionally damaging it may be to each of them and how freakish it is that their families are going along with it. Sorry. I continue.
2: Okay. So there was a moment in this breakup that I'm shocked took this long to get to, but the producers brought in her dad who, you know, they had just met him and he was just like, you're not ready. You're obviously not ready to get engaged like what are you doing and you know she was very susceptible obviously to his opinions and what he was saying and she that night after talking to her dad broke up with colton and when she told oh, him no. that she had spoken to her Betrayal. dad he's like your your dad was here so in that moment he knew the producers had flown her dad out to have this conversation and it's like he realized everyone around him was—they were enemy. all
1: against him. Yeah. Yes,
2: can you imagine that feeling? I mean, there was a, just this moment in I his face where day. he was just like, "I'm a pawn; they don't care." And it was just like, "Oh my gosh!" It was—it was the most real I've ever seen reality well, it TV get. Intense. It right. was amazing. But it—he ended up breaking up with the other two girls who were both, you know, all in with him, and going back to this girl who's still like. She's not even just saying no to an engagement. She's basically like just saying, "I don't sure know if I can get there." Is. Like, yeah. I don't even know if I'm that into you. And he broke up with these other two girls. Just, it's nuts.
1: Well, you wouldn't want to continue on a, a relationship with somebody else anyway. For that,
2: right? That over- right. I mean, I get it. I get it. But it's just
1: the whole premise is horrifying.
2: Yes. But I'm yes. I'm sure it does make great television. Yes. Train wreck, and this has been the worst wreck of them all. <laughs> it's been amazing. <laughs> But entertaining, I mean. All right.
1: Well, our recommendations this thing this week are um, one piece of media that empowers women and another one that objectifies them. So there we go. Uh, Captain Marvel and The Bachelor. So
2: unfair. <laughs> I do not like how you just summed that up at all. I am well aware I would never be on the show. I wouldn't. I already know I'd be miserable. I'd compare myself to everybody and I'd be miserable, and I'd probably say something bad, and they'd paint me to be awful. They call it, what is it, phantom phantom edits or something where they, you know, take oh, one stuff, part yeah. of this sentence and put it with this. They make and, it sound horrible. Oh, yeah. I just don't trust yeah, anyone that much. Yeah, nothing really
1: that real about reality TV. True. Anyway. All right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that, though. Um, you know, I've definitely, there have been times Honestly, it was
2: just the fact that it was on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> That's what really got me.
1: Uh, th- there have been seasons of The Bachelor where my wife was into it and I would get caught up into it, too. So I know how easy it is. It happens. Is. Yeah.
2: I understand that it's not the best concept.
1: And then the, I think the next season after that, I was like, oh, The Bachelor's coming on. And my wife <laughs> said, no, I don't want to watch not it. Not this time. And I, I said, oh, okay. And I was kind of disappointed. But then we uh, we got past it, and it was all probably for the best. More
2: guys like it than you would think.
1: I no, I know. I, I think a lot of guys like it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just like 30 beautiful women.
2: Yeah, yeah I get it. Uh,
1: okay. Well, Andrea, that was fun. Uh, I'm glad Always. We, our conversation with Sam was good, and I'm, I'm glad, you know. We'll keep
2: working on Barb.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm glad. Uh, you. Again, that may be the most you hear of Barb on the podcast, but uh, at some point it is our goal to win her over. So, yeah, tweet at her. Andrea, where can people find you on Twitter if they want to interact? And-
2: at Andrea WKYT.
1: All right. And I am at the Victor Puente. But you can also, uh, we have pages on Facebook, so feel free to search that up. Or, uh, you know, if you just see us out in public, tell us how much bigger we look on TV. That's (laughs) something people do, too. There you go. We'll take it. All right. Bye, everybody.
2: Bye.